Hey friends, and welcome to the Why Should I podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Garcia, and today I'm chatting with a newer friend of mine, Miss Michaela Lopez. Michaela is the worship leader at the church my parents pastor. She is a graduate of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and most recently is the owner of the Well Women Wedding Company, which I'm sure we'll dive into a little later into the podcast. But Michaela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're, we're going to jump right into it. So I've actually never really heard your story, and so I'm really excited to chat with you about it today. But um, our topic of conversation is why should I trust that God will redeem even the toughest situations. So let's open up with your testimony and just what has shaped you, and we'll go from there. Good stuff. Uh, to some, my testimony might seem uh, kind of ghetto because you're not um, a Christian young woman in the South if you aren't married at a young age. And if you do get married at a young age, you don't get divorced at that young age. But that is my story. Um, while I was going to school at IHOP, I ended up losing my grandmother. And um, I came home shortly after that just because I was in a really tough spot with grief and learning how to navigate life without my mother figure. And um, when I got home, I ended up, you know, meeting my ex-husband, all that good stuff. We got involved really fast, and uh, we got married. And so shortly into that marriage, I realized that there was a lot of um, infidelity going on, and it spanned through the whole year and a half that we were together. And out of respect for him, I'll spare details, but it was um, probably the hardest thing that I had ever gone through. And so I don't want to call it fresh because I am a year out and a much different person than I was then, but it kind of triggered some thoughts, you know, hearing that question, why should I trust that God would redeem everything and things that were lost? And it's just, he just does. <laughs> I can't think of a better uh, answer than he just does. Like I saw God take all of my broken pieces and put them back together in a way that is so holy and ironic, I couldn't even explain. And it's, because that's who his character is, is he loves to take care of his children. And I know that God hates divorce, but he hates seeing his children suffer mm -hmm. more. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many people out there who are my age, who are either in a marriage or who are going to go into a marriage, not really knowing the person because they want to fit in the status quo of what it is to be a Christian in the South, and it bothers me. Mm. So I'm glad to be here to kind of speak on that a little bit today if y'all want to go there with me. Oh, but. let's go there. Let's go there. Let's so, back it up a little bit. Let's yeah. talk about kind of meeting this guy, and did you, was it a Christ-centered relationship? Did you have other people affirming it? Like, talk about it. So um, the church that I was going to at the time was very affirming of this relationship, and he was great. You know, it's just one of those things. And I don't know if anybody's ever really dealt with somebody who has like narcissistic tendencies, but if you ever heard the term love bombing, hmm. that's kind of what it was. Like I can think back and a month in, we're saying, I love you. We're planning a wedding. We're doing all these things. And me, Michaela, I am not that person. Hmm. I'm very careful. I'm a six on the Enneagram if that matters. So like I'm all about security and all of these things. Um, so it was very out of character for me. And when we met, we um, he actually wasn't a believer. Okay. And so to me, that should have been the first red flag. And even though it was, I ignored a lot of those things because I believed that that's all that I was worth and that he was the best I was ever going to find. So looking back, I'm like, God, I ignored all these things and still you're redeeming them because that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He's good like that. But I, on the other hand, was 
off my rocker a little bit when I think back and uh, I'm just glad that it's over and that God is still God and he's still on the throne no matter what I do to jack my life up a little bit. (laughs) What did you, what were some of the tools or people or things that just kind of help you get through that season? Um, Really just prayer, like actually forming a relationship with God through prayer and through fasting and it was really difficult for me because, you know, I ended up, I was forced to leave my house or my our apartment, um, and I had a suitcase and a pillow, mm. and that was it. And I came down to little cow town Goliad <laughs> with my tail between my legs, and I lived with my parents on an air mattress in their living room for mm. seven months before we moved into our home that we live in now. And during that time, I just remember feeling so low to the ground that I couldn't possibly do anything to get any lower and I was like well God if this is prostrate towards you like perfect you know let's let's do this the right way because the house of prayer is incredible and the tools that they give you to cultivate a prayer life are insane you don't find those anywhere else and Mm. still I didn't do it while I was there Mm. I didn't heed to the Holy Spirit and listen and and cultivate that relationship the way that he wanted me to but I was able to in that time And you gave a quote one time while you were preaching here, and it was by Charles Spurgeon, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, um, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And that quote, you shared that right in the midst of like the beginning of my split. So not the midst, but at the beginning of my split. And that really helped carry me through and was like, I'm going to kiss the wave. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lead with love and I'm going to pray and forgive and I'm going to do it. And it's got me this far, so it's it's good. I love that. That's awesome. So would you say it's definitely fair to say that in that brokenness and in the lowest moments that you've experienced a facet of Jesus that you hadn't really before? 100%. I have felt him tangibly in the night when I'm like, I can't catch my breath and, you know, emotions are getting the best of me and all these things. And you don't think about Jesus being with you in those ugly places, but he was. I mean, he was with... Mary Magdalene, when they were stoning her, like he was with the sick, with the broken. And that's just like, that's why he died. That's why he came to earth was to save the people who were struggling and people like me who felt like my life was over, but it wasn't. It was just getting started. Yeah, so cool. So how have you managed to keep your hopes up, even when circumstances are a lot different than you imagined? Honestly, through prayer yeah that's it that's all i can do is just pray i'm like oh lord you gotta do something about this mess because i i can't you know and we're not supposed to be the ones to to lean on like we don't lean on ourselves it's biblical we don't lean on our own understanding we put our understanding in him or our strength in him and all that stuff knowledge in him and he'll make the path straight. I think that's in Proverbs or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best at quoting the Bible, but I know it with <laughs> yeah. my heart because I love Jesus. There you go. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, keep, keeping my hopes up to me is like, if I didn't have hope, I'd be dead. Because yeah. that that's literally all you have when you feel like everything else has been taken from you. Like, it's not something that you can grip tangibly, but it is when you're journaling it, when you're praying through it, when you're, you know, highlighting those scriptures in your Bible and, and praying into those things in the dead of night. Like, that's where your hope comes from is belief, especially in something that you can't see. Like, somebody from the outside would see me in the middle of that and be like, she's crazy. Like, she's off her rocker, <laughs> out of her mind. And some days it felt like I was, but I just, 
I'm glad that I experienced that crazy because it gave me hope to carry through. Now I'm like, oh, I could go through whatever and I'd be fine because I hit the the darkest place so far and I got out of it because of hope Mm. and because he's steadfast and he's good. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about your prayer life and like what that looks like and Mm. the tangibles, the practicals, the every day just walking with Jesus. I love Jesus. I love him. He's my best friend. And the problem that we find a lot of times these days is that when things are good, we tend to put it on the back burner. And I myself am guilty of that because when I was struggling, I mean, I was like, I just want to spend time with Jesus for six hours a day. And sometimes I would. Like, I would just lay in my bed and cry and talk to the Lord. And now that things are looking up, I have to really stay disciplined. Not that I don't want to spend time with Him, but it's not the first thing on your mind. And that's just how we've been conditioned in this world is to go to help when we need the help and when we don't need it, to walk away. And that's not something I ever want to do, you know? And so I have to stay really disciplined. And right now I'm in the middle of a prayer challenge that Holy Spirit prompted me to do. And it was kind of messy at first because he's like, I want you to pray for this one person. Hmm. For 60 days straight, five minutes, that's all you got to do. And I'm like, oh, no. So now I have to sit down intentionally to pray for them because if not, I'll walk around my room or get ready and get distracted and pray these willy-nilly prayers. But he wants me to be intentional. So now I'm like, okay, I'm always up for a challenge. So there's different ways that Holy Spirit will prompt you in different seasons, I believe, to maintain that relationship and that conversation because you have to. Intimacy comes from relationship and relationship comes from conversation. So it's it's a need. Yeah. What would you say were some of the biggest things you took away from IHOP and like all about prayer and just how long were you there? I was actually there only a year and a half. So I didn't get to graduate, oh, okay. but I wish I would have. So <laughs> if anybody at IHOP is listening, hey, it's all good. I mailed me that diploma because I worked <laughs> hard. I know I did. Um, no, they're awesome over there. But Some of the biggest things that I took away were probably the, I don't want to say the grace message because everybody's like, oh, I'm under grace. I can rob a bank and the Lord still loves me. And I'm like, girl, he thinks you're crazy too. Like, chill. But I I just, they they definitely spoke a lot about having grace. And I myself am very hard on myself. Mm -hmm. And I find myself being hard on others too because I was held to a standard, Um, you know, growing up in a Hispanic household, like you're going to work hard and you're going to do what you got to do. And it's just one of those things like I've got work ethic in my blood. And so when I don't do something right, or if I know that I'm needing rest and I don't take it, it's messy. But at IHOP, they're very insistent, like take your rest when you need it. If this is too much, take a step back, sit in the prayer room, soak a little bit. Like I, I I didn't understand that culture until I got there, but it's one of my favorite things that and they teach you boundaries mm-hmm. and having boundaries with people, which is kind of crazy because those people are very lovey. They're always hugging each other. Everybody's in love with the Lord and with each other. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is crazy. But it's it's good. And I'm glad that I was able to learn, you know, that having that grace is important for others and especially for yourself. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the promises of God that you've had to cling to during the difficult seasons? So I have three of them okay. that I just I look to and I'm like, okay. So the first one is that he gives life and life abundantly. That's what he came to do. And, you know, when I think about that, I'm like, I'm not going to let anything that I go through go to waste. 
You know, life abundant can be good. It can be harsh. It can be whatever. People experience pain and abundance. It, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't always mean there's great joy, but being able to find that great joy in the life that you're experiencing. So God and I made an agreement a long time ago. I say that, but he's like, no, I just know you. And this is what you're going to do because I know your heart. But I, I'm not going to let anything that I go through go to waste. So any pain that I deal with and have to face, I want it to be unto something bigger than myself. So if it can help somebody, you know, the word of your testimony, it, it heals people. And, uh, you know, when, when the Lord is in it and I want to be a living testimony of that, you know, allowing people to hear my stories and to be able to take wisdom from those because there was a lot of things I didn't have to go through, but I did. And so I'm glad at the end of the day because it's my life and my life abundantly. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just, I'm grateful for that promise because I know that it's not a lie and I'm not crazy. I'm not talking to myself, but that that's what he came here to do. Um, another one is that he's coming back again. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of people kind of get freaked out by the whole, oh, Jesus is going to return, you know, on a horse and this and that. I'm like, man, I'm ready <laughs> because this world is on a steady decline, but I'm only going up from here. Yeah. And it freaks me out a little bit sometimes if I sit and think about it for too long, but I'm human, mm -hmm. you know, and I know that. There's so much good in Jesus's return. And I think about all the people who are going to experience the justice that they've longed for all mm. their lives. And what a glorious moment it will be when this world no longer has to succumb to sin and what it has become. But the fact that it's all going to be better one day. And that's something that really I, I, I cling to. Mm. I have to. And um, I can't remember the third one all of a sudden. <laughs> but I don't care because the other two are good. So I'm not worried about it. They are good. They are good. So going back a little bit to Jesus's return. <laughs> Let's talk about heaven. What do you think heaven's gonna be like? You know what? I don't know. It makes me nervous <laughs> to think about having theories because you know the legalists are like, hey, you can't have theories about that. Oh, I don't know. I think that I'm gonna be able to hang out with my family, you know, with my grandmother, and share stories about things that we experience, and not in pain, but in reverence of God's glory through it all. Mm -hmm. Because I know for a fact. That whether she knows now or she's at rest or whatever the heck they're doing over there right now, <laughs> that she's going to know yeah. <laughs> about this last year of my life. And she's going to, you know, just be able to revel in God's goodness and not yell at me or pinch me because I got divorced or because I was young or making dumb mistakes or whatever. But because she loves me yeah. and she loves the Lord and what he did in my life. Yeah. So I think we're going to get to hang. And uh, I don't know. They say we don't gotta eat but we're gonna eat so i'm excited <laughs> well, about that talking too. about marriage supper of the lamb girl i'm just gonna saying the best the best meal ever i can't wait <laughs> better something better be fried that's all i got to oh, say God. <laughs> no calories in heaven so Amen. that's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. i love talking about heaven because i feel like we don't in the church kind of talk about it enough and yeah. growing up in it i i just always had i thought it would be kind of boring to be honest with you i'm like an eternal worship song like i don't know after a while it mm. just seems like it would get you know, we think of fluffy clouds and chubby babies on like playing harps, and it just doesn't Scary. sound that great, <laughs> no, right? I but I think when we really like read what the scripture says about it and how the Bible talks about that, he is, uh, he's not making all new things, he's making all things new. Right. And that revelation in and of itself is so beautiful because I've heard a lot of different theologians talk about the concept that heaven's actually going to be a lot more like earthy than we mm -hmm. think. It's more, um, more 
so the mountains and the beaches and the beautiful things that we love on on this side of eternity like just redeemed without the sin and the heartache and the tears and the you know depravity that we have to experience but just full fullness and wholeness and completion in Jesus and getting to experience his presence with people that we love and um me and my sister kind of have this theory of an eternal bucket list of sorts so Mm. it's like I have you know my frustrations of man what if Jesus comes before I get to go to London or New York or whatever Mm. but it's like we can have forever to experience all the beauty of every good thing that he asked for so it's fun to think i didn't about. think about it though like that lord come now i don't even care no <laughs> let's more. go i'm here i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> um all right so how would you encourage someone walking through adversity walking through a tough time what's some stuff that helped you and yeah how would you use that to encourage other people i would encourage anyone going through anything to kiss that wave mm-hmm. to lead with love there's something about our emotions that take us all over the place they got no business they're just doing their own thing but we've also been created with emotion Mm -hmm. so i am a firm believer that emotions are important and it's important to listen to them and to give them space but to know when to get up and to keep moving on Mm -hmm. because i could have very well turned bitter and you know gotten angry and done all these things and there were times where i was bitter and i was angry i mean you know it's it's life it's hard Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not worth becoming so bitter that there's little pockets of bitterness that you can't find anymore. They're just so deeply ingrained. And then you get to be 40, 50, 60 years old, and you're dealing with 40-year-old trauma. Like, yeah. that. that's hard. Um, so I would just encourage anyone dealing with whatever, especially divorce, you know, to just take it in stride, to mm-hmm. own it, because it's not it's not going anywhere, you know, but the more you give it to the Lord, like you're redeemed, you're a new person, a new creation, the soul ties are broken, you you know, you can experience that love again. I mean, it's ironic. So I I got divorced and I'm a wedding planner. Mm -hmm. You don't get that by growing bitter. You don't. And I've had people ask me, so, you know, you don't get angry when you see people get married? Like, no, why would I get angry? That's like psychotic behavior, you know? <laughs> like, no, I'm happy for people. I want to get married again. I'm not afraid to fall in love again and do these things. Now, you know, when we start getting to the nitty-gritty of that conversation, yeah, I'm like, oh, pump the brakes. <laughs> it is a little scary, you know, because you don't, opening your heart again, all that stuff, whatever. But I trust that God is going to give me the discernment and that I'm going to listen to it this time Mm -hmm. instead of just going off my emotions and believing what my insecurities were telling me. Yeah. You know, I I didn't want to grow bitter. And some days I got to catch myself because I can be kind of a hood rat sometimes. I'm like, (laughs) hold on. This is not me. This is not my character. I'm sorry, Jesus. I repent. Let me keep moving on. But just own it and, and take that struggle and do something with it yeah. don't let it go to waste because yeah. then what's your, what's the point mm-hmm. and so lisa turker says emotions are wonderful indicators terrible dictators so i cling to that one because yeah it's like we can't be letting those things be the captain of the ship because they are so fickle and change all the time so it's like we have to take those promises the word of god those things that we can stand on um talk to us a little bit about what it uh so kind of this idea of the wedding planning and the divorce and just the polar opposites <laughs> of that so the beauty of moving in the opposite spirit and not being jealous not being um you know resentful but instead celebrating and like and just being able to you know rejoice with people that are maybe walking through what you are eventually believing for mm-hmm. 
So my best friend, she got married in August and her and I, we planned her wedding while she was still living in Brazil. So we were doing the remote planning thing together and <clears throat> you know, her, so actually I was best friends with her husband and then I met her and became her best friend. So he kind of got the boot a little bit, but I, I love them. They're, they're family forever. And um, during that process, it was like, okay, you know, we're, I'm excited, I'm excited, whatever. But I was going through the divorce at the same time. And so when it came time to go to their wedding um, in Kansas City, this was this last, this past August, um, I had to kind of mentally prepare myself. So I'm like, um, I haven't been to a wedding. I haven't done anything really. I've just been kind of here. Um, I did go to one wedding, actually, and it was really hard. Mm. So I, I was anticipating this would be better because they're two of my best friends, and I love them. And it was. It was actually a very redemptive um, space to be in because it was a Jesus-centered wedding, and it was beautiful. And I got to watch them make this commitment that you know I so long for. And so um, during the process of her planning period, I'm like, you know, this is good, this is good, but I can't wait till the real thing to get my hand in it. So the day the wedding comes and I am a busy bee getting stuff done, like making sure everything's taken care of. I almost missed their first dance because I was cutting the cake and they don't know that, but I'm sure they'll find out because I know they're going to listen. <laughs> but um, I'm glad that I didn't, you know, and I was like, dang, like people need somebody who's like actually going to be there you know, and not have, I don't want to say an emotional connection to them. So that if they do miss the big stuff, it's fine because they're making sure things are taken care of on the back end. And then my wheels got to turning. Hmm. And I was actually in the airport in Houston at my layover, um, heading back to Corpus. And um, I saw this for sale in uh, the Facebook marketplace and somebody was looking for a day of coordinator. And I was like, hmm, let me just put in my bid here, whatever. I didn't know how to price it. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I ended up doing a lot of work for not a lot of money. But, oh, my gosh, I got there, and it was like I hit a vein. I knew this. I just knew it was right. Nice. And so I had um, launched my business actually a week before that because I was just so excited. I was like, no, I'm not waiting. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. So even if I hate it, I've already committed. And actually, I have about 12 clients now that Whoa. I'm working with and just booked one for 20 so I'm really excited because in this short amount of time like God's really accelerated this process like you know I'm looking at becoming partially staffed to have planners under me hopefully in the next year so if you're a wedding planner let me know (laughs) because I'm gonna need some help it's you need an officiant let me know girl I already thought about it your mama said put her on the list I said I got you Um, no, but I, I want to be able to grow this. And I was actually at another wedding that I coordinated, but was also in. <laughs> I've been in three weddings this year, so it's been a lot. Yeah. Um, but I was sharing with um, an old friend of mine, you know, kind of the process with this. And she's actually, she's a Buddhist. And so I was like, I, I haven't talked to her in forever. I don't know what this is going to be like. And uh, while we were talking, I was able to share with her about the wedding business. And she was like, so what made you want to do that? And the words just started coming out. I was like, oh, here comes Holy Spirit. (laughs) And, you know, what I do on a wedding day is what God does for us all the time. Now, I'm not comparing myself to God because I'm crazy. (laughs) And, you know, he's steady. He's constant. And I got issues. But my thing when I say that is that, you know, he's constantly taking care of things on the back end. Mm. And we can't see it. But we're experiencing life. It's like, oh, this is great. Sometimes there's a bump in the road. It is what it is. You forget about it because the good outweighs the bad in most Mm -hmm. cases you know Mm -hmm. and that's what I get to do for brides and grooms on a daily basis is to make sure that their days are taken care of and it reminds me of like just God being a good dad Mm -hmm. and making sure that we've got everything we need like I get to step into those shoes 
you know, and make sure that my brides have everything that they need. They've waited for this day. They've prayed for this day and they deserve to have a good one. Yeah. I left my wedding two hours early. So that should have also been a sign too. But I, I tell my brides that I'm like, we were arguing. I don't want that for you because there was things going wrong and crazy in my family and, mm. you know, just, just everything. And it's not my family's fault. I was, you know, in a place that I, I didn't realize I was in, but had I had a planner there, at least it would have been easier. Things would have flowed better. I didn't have anybody to help us usher down the aisle until like five minutes. And I asked my auntie, I was like, can you do this? And she's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so y'all don't try to do it on your own. That's all I got to say. It's not a shameless <laughs> plug. I'm just being honest. Even if it's not me, find somebody who's going to help you because it can be a lot. Yeah, it can. Wow. Well, Michaela, can you just pray for people as we close today and um, that they would trust that God can redeem oh, yeah. their situation? Mm. <sighs> Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. God, you know exactly who needs to hear this um, story, these things, this, uh, these nuggets of wisdom that you've given me through this time in my life. God, I just pray for each and every person who's listening, who's going to listen, God. And I just thank you for them. I thank you for the struggles that they're facing. Because even if they're not thanking you for them, God, they will one day. Because we know that you are the author of everything good and that you turn all things for the good of those who love you. So, God, I pray that you would show us how to trust, that you would show us how to keep moving, how to kiss that wave, how to lead with love, especially how to forgive. Because we know that you're coming back sooner than later and that we don't have time to hold on to bitterness. So, God, I pray that you would show up for us, God, as we continue to do the best to show up for you. And Lord, we, we love you and we thank you and we trust you. And we just speak these blessings over all of these listeners here and over Rachel. Thank you for her and for her heart to want to share these things with people. And Lord, we love you. That's all. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.